had a bit of a uh, scary experience just this last week. I heard the, my first Christmas carol on the radio. So there you go. It was okay because it was the Little Drummer Boy. And the Little Drummer Boy is my favourite carol. Just giving you insight on the theme here. The Little Drummer Boy, you'll never hear us sing it at church. Uh, because I don't want us to sing carols that aren't from the Bible. So it's this thing, my favourite Christmas carol isn't from the Bible. That, that worries me a little. But anyway, I heard the Little Drummer Boy and uh, it just made me think, wow, we're there already. Uh, we're coming up to late November. Uh, you, know, you may think that's too early to think about Christmas and all that sort of thing. But uh, what it reminded me is, wow, we've nearly got through a whole reasonably normal year with no lockdown. Isn't that amazing? I find it's amazing. And because it's November, what that also means is we're doing what we normally do at St. George North at this time of the year, which is we just take a week out of our normal sermon series to think about uh, what we're on about as a church. But more than that, it's a chance to give thanks to God for what He has been doing in us and amongst us over this year and to look ahead at what under God He might do in us and through us in 2023. So that's what we're doing today. We call it Vision Sunday. So it's not a, a normal sermon today. See that passage in 1 Peter 4? Keep that there. We're not going to get to it for a while. So we are going to get to it, but not for a while. It's going to be a few different elements to what we do. First of all, we've got an opportunity just to pause, take stock and give thanks to God. Uh, secondly, we'll open up that passage from 1 Peter and uh, reflect on what we're on about as a church uh, and what it looks like for us to live that out together. And then thirdly, I'll share some plans and some key things for next year. So hopefully that sounds like a plan. But I want to start by praising God uh, for what He has done in our church. Uh, our vision statement is really a really simple distillation of just what the Bible says every church should be on about. I always worry if a church thinks they've got some novel new idea for what they're meant to be on about, because it's probably not from the Bible, because the Bible's been pretty clear about what a church should be on about for 2,000 years. Uh, and the way we've distilled that is we say we exist to glorify God. That's what we're on about. We want to see God glorified in the end. Everything we do is so that people will declare the praises of the one who took us out of darkness and brought us into the marvellous light. And we do that especially in three ways. First of all, we proclaim Jesus. That's what we do. Uh, if the only way to know God is through His Son, if the only way to find forgiveness is through Jesus, then nothing is more important than telling people about Jesus. Isn't that right? You're allowed to answer these questions. Isn't that right? Yes. Yeah. That's why proclaiming Jesus, front and centre, everything we do. Then secondly, though, we grow disciples. God wants everyone not just to come to know Jesus and then remain as they are. He wants us to grow to be more and more like Jesus. And that's why teaching the Bible is the centre of everything we do because we want every person to grow in their knowledge of Jesus, grow in their love of Jesus and grow to be more like Jesus. That's one of the reasons we make such a big thing of everyone being a part of a gospel team because we want people to be growing as disciples of Jesus. It's why we focus on the Bible in our youth ministry. It's why in our kids' ministry, all we do is teach the Bible. We grow disciples. But then thirdly, we're on about serving together. Uh, we are convicted from the Bible that God gives every person in His church gifts. He has given every person here gifts so that we can use those to build this body, to build the body of Christ that is His church. So that's our vision as a church. That's what we are on about together. We exist to glorify God. We do that as we proclaim Jesus, as we grow disciples and as we serve together. Well, how have we seen that happen this year? Well, can I tell you, there have been some wonderful encouragements in all those areas this year. And I'm just going to share a couple. Firstly, and this sounds so silly, but I actually think it's wonderful. 
just the fact that so many of our ministries have just happened this year is a wonderful joy, isn't it? You know, just the fact, I was just thinking through the week, just the fact that Jitterbugs, I don't know if you know about Jitterbugs, but it's our outreach to young mums and toddlers, it has started again. And, the, and there's 30 or so women and their kids coming along and just hearing about Jesus in a low-key way. That's what, it hasn't happened for three years, but it's happening again. Uh, just the fact that Snack Youth is thriving uh, on a Friday night, and, and how wonderful that Snack Youth actually got to go on Fit Camp this year, because that camp is so essential for, for our teenagers to grow, again, as disciples of Jesus. If you ever come here, or some of you lead at Kids Plus, I avoid St. James Carlton on a Friday afternoon, I, I send Sam up on my behalf and Eloise up and that sort of thing, but uh, there were over 100 kids back at Kids Plus on Friday, I was told, over 100 kids here from the local area, majority aren't church kids coming and hearing about Jesus, the, the fact that English for Life is happening on a Friday morning and people are coming and Hearing, learning how to read and speak English and so forth, but also hearing about Jesus. Just the fact that week in, week out, nearly every member of our church, this is, this is amazing, I was, someone sent me a, a thing about, they, they were at another church's Vision Sunday, how original is that? But anyway, they, they sent me the thing and they said, how wonderful that 40% of our church are in gospel team. I said, it's just about 100%, so 6.30 church, and I didn't ask for a show of hands. Anyway, you know what I mean? How wonderful that nearly every member of our church meets together week in, week out in gospel teams, reading the Bible with one another, praying together, encouraging one another. Many of those things are so ordinary, but don't take them for granted. You see, how wonderful that they have been happening this year, so praise God for that. If the last couple of years have taught us anything, I hope it's not to take those wonderful things for granted. But now I just want to share some particularly encouraging things with you. Do you know that this coming January, it will be my 19th birthday, not my 19th birthday, my... <laughs> My 19th birthday at St. George North. Do you know that? 19 years at St. George North. That's not the encouraging fact. You may find it discouraging. But uh, uh, I share it just to say I've got 19 years to compare it to. You know, I've got, I've got quite a lot of uh, data to compare it to, if you like. Here's something just wonderful I want to share with you. Do you know that this year, just gone, or still going, which isn't even over, this year has seen new, more new people come to one of our church services, we've got six different congregations, more new people come to one of our church services than in any other year previously. Isn't that wonderful? I've got a bit of an amen there, but yeah, I, I said it this morning, I was just dead silent, I said, can I go to Africa? When I, when, I, when I went and preached in Kenya, I got up and said, hi, I'm Phil from Australia, I went, amen, brother, you know, here I say, 100 people become Christians, I go, oh, oh you know, the, yeah. give me an amen when it's exciting, but anyway. More importantly, it's that more of those people have actually locked into fellowship at our church than in any year previously. Isn't that exciting? Just to give you some, some actual information on that, just over the last four months, this is just the last four months of the year, at our morning congregations here at Carlton, at 9 and 10.30 here at Carlton, 77 people have come to our church for the first time. 77 new people. In four months. Now, many of them are visitors, you know, people who, family and friends who come once because they're in the area or, or come along for something and so forth. But some of them are people who don't yet know Jesus and have actually kept coming to find out more about Jesus. And some of them are Christians who've come and joined in and locked in in fellowship with us. I think that's just wonderful. Even more amazing, I just didn't want to share this first to give you guys a big head, but here at 630 Church this year, did you know that 154 people have come here? our 6.30 congregation for the first time this year. 
that's more than most weeks come to church, have come for the first time to church. Now, again, many of those are visitors. Some of them have only come once. Uh, but again, how wonderful is this? I've been told that 18 of those new people have joined gospel team. And that doesn't include youth. I'm not talking about youth coming up into 6.30 church or year 12 coming up and joining in. I'm talking about genuine new people. Isn't that wonderful? I can tell you other great stories. One of my favourite stories is actually from our Wednesday congregation. You might not even know about our Wednesday congregation. But on a Wednesday up at Bexley, I run a traditional service uh, for, for a small group of people. And actually, two new people have come along there. And I think both of them have become Christians. Isn't that wonderful? Coming along just on a Wednesday morning... And they've heard the gospel. See, people in our world want to tell you the church is dying. Well, I want to say to you, that is just so clearly not the case. Bring them to your church and show them what they're, that they're wrong. Nothing can stop the gospel of our Lord Jesus doing its work. Brings me to an even more encouraging thing to share. I want to talk about what God has done through the life course. Now, you might think, uh, do they ever shut up about the life course? And, and at that point, I want to say to you, no and bad luck. So, because we're on about proclaiming Jesus. So, bad luck if you think that. Uh, but I just want to say, now, I never like to actually say this many people have become Christians. And the reason for that is, is because sometimes you just don't know, do you? you know? And some people come along and they think they're Christians before and they are afterwards. Well, that's great, isn't it? All I care about is, are you a Christian at the end? That's all I care about. Uh, but, and more than that, it takes time to see if someone is really grounded in the good soil. Evangelism is, is long, hard work. Even so, I want to share with you, this year we've run the life course five times across the parish, including up at Bexley North, which is a massive effort. So first of all, I just want to say thanks to God for all the people who are involved in the life course, because you do a great job. But even now, with one week to go in the last course for the year, I was going to say 62 guests have come, but actually there were two more new people today. So 64 guests have come along. 60, and I'm not talking people from church who've come to the life course. I'm talking 64 people who have been invited by members of St. George North and come along. That is the most amazing thing. 64 people who, who don't yet know Jesus, who've come along and heard the gospel. If you've been to the life course, let me tell you, they hear the gospel. It's not like some wishy-washy, hey, can we try and tell you about it? It tells them about Jesus, you know. So that is just wonderful. 62, 64 now... Uh, but here's what I love about that. In my experience, maybe one in seven people that I invite actually comes. Because evangelism's hard, isn't it? If you've ever tried to invite someone, you know, many people say no. So if 64 people have come, how many have been invited? Even just conservatively, I times it by five, say, and you're, over 300 people have been invited to the life course. And, and more than that, how many have been prayed for then? People didn't quite get to, to inviting them. Uh, you see, that is what I love. Because that says to me, many, many St. George North members, which is you, many people are on board. You are on about proclaiming Jesus. Here's what I love even more, though. And feel free to give an amen. Uh, of those 62, and obviously not including the course that hasn't finished, 21 people have carried on investigating the faith in the Mortal Life course. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that wonderful? 21 people have, have said, I, I want to find out more about Jesus. I want to read Mark's gospel. I want, to, I want to ask my questions. I want to keep investigating. And of those, I'm aware of a good number who have made a commitment to follow Jesus, which is the most wonderful thing of all, isn't it? That's what it is all about in the end. And I just share these couple of highlights just to encourage you. God 
is at work in your church. God is at work through the preaching of his gospel. People are hearing about Jesus. People are growing as disciples of Jesus. And praise God, that is because people like you are using your gifts to serve Jesus. So I want you to be encouraged. But now, I want to open it up to you. Uh, It's open mic time. Because I want you, if you've got an encouragement you'd like to share, to share. It might be a way you've grown this year through something at church. It might be a ministry you've been a part of that, you, that has encouraged you or something you've, you've seen and been encouraged by. It might be that you've become a Christian and, and you want to share that uh, with people here. Wouldn't that be great? In fact, that's what, that happened this morning. We had this open mic time and one of the people online shared they'd become a Christian this year through our church. How wonderful is that? So, over to you. Okay, so grab your Bibles and turn to that passage in uh, 1 Peter 4 that was uh, read for us earlier. You may remember earlier in the year we studied 1 Peter in our gospel teams. I say may remember because sometimes I don't remember what we did last week. But uh, you may remember we were studying 1 Peter. And in my gospel team when we were studying this passage, you know when sometimes you've prepared ahead of time and you've read the passage, you're going, yeah, yeah, I know that. And then in in the gospel team, it just suddenly jumps out and strikes you. And that's what happened with this passage for me. Uh, it jumped out at me at the time. Uh, and I, I just made a note. I want to come back to that and talk about it because it just captured a wonderful theme that I want to explore that theme today. And that is that the Christian life is about glorifying God. And we do that in the really ordinary, mundane things. We glorify God in how we actually do the ordinary things. So come with me, come with me to the passage, come to verse 7. Uh, it starts off, it says, Now the end of all things is near. Now that is as far from ordinary as you're ever going to get. That is a, a, a massive statement. This is the incredible truth that, that actually is the heart of what it is to be a Christian. We are waiting for Jesus to return. Jesus is coming back in glory to judge the living and the dead. This world is not going to go on forever. God has appointed a time for the return of Jesus. Now, that has been a massive theme of the Bible. In fact, it's been a massive theme in every book we've looked at this year. I thought, isn't that a coincidence? Then I realized that's because it's a massive theme in every book of the Bible, so it's not a coincidence. Uh, The truth is, we live in the end times. Uh, In fact, I think, as I said before, that truth is the most important truth to understand if you want to understand how we're meant to live as a Christian. Have that truth in your mind. Jesus is coming back. It is the fundamental truth, because to be a Christian is to be someone who is waiting for that to happen. See, Jesus has done everything he needs to do in his first coming. He died for our sins. He he rose again uh, and defeated death once and for all. And so now there's nothing more that needs to happen. Jesus can return at any moment in glory. See, the Bible tells us, the New Testament tells us, the only reason Jesus has not come back already The only reason he didn't come back just 40 days after he'd risen again, if you like, is to allow the gospel to be preached and to allow more people to come to know Jesus, repent, put their trust in him and find the salvation we have found. And so to live as a Christian is to live in the light of that fact. See, most of the world, if you're not a Christian, you live as if this world is it. You you just say, I'll just get what I can out of life and then it's over. That is not how Christians live. We live in the light of the fact that Jesus is coming back. We're waiting for him to return. So what do we do while we wait? Well, to summarise it, we live for God's glory. And that's how it puts it at the end of our little passage. Jump down to the end of verse 11. 
It says, it says, after doing all these things about how we live, it then says, so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. To him belong the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. You see, that is the Christian life. We live waiting for Jesus to return. So what do we do in the meantime? We glorify God. It's very, very simple. The Christian life is not complicated. But what does that look like? To live as someone glorifying God while we wait for Jesus to return. It can sound like that means, therefore, well, that means I've got to do something massive with this life. The time is short. I've got to glorify God. What am I going to do? Uh, and, and some people will do massive things to glorify God. Some people will get on a plane and take the gospel to a part of the world where people have not heard about Jesus, which is just wonderful. Some people will preach the gospel to, you know, football stadiums. But what I find really interesting in the New Testament, what struck me in this passage, is that it doesn't say, so therefore go and find your massive thing to do. Instead, living to glorify God while we wait for Jesus expresses itself for most of us in really ordinary ways. Look back at the passage. So you've got, hey, Jesus, the end of all things is near. What are we to do? It doesn't then say, therefore go and plant a new church. Though I pray every week that people from this congregation will do that. You know, it doesn't say go and sign up at CMS to be a missionary to Mongolia, though I pray to God every week that members of this congregation will go and do that. Not specifically Mongolia, but you know what I mean. But it doesn't say that. Instead, it then says three really ordinary things. It says, devote yourself to prayer, love your church family, and use your gifts to serve. Look with me at each. First of all, devote yourself to prayer. Look at verse uh, 7 again. It says, therefore, be serious and disciplined for prayer. If we are living, waiting for Jesus to return, and so living for the glory of God, then actually the best thing you can do is pray. Every Christian gives that intellectual assent. Very few Christians translate it into our lives because but by definition, we're all activists. We all think, no, no, I've got to do something and prayer seems like I'm not doing anything. But actually the best thing you can do is pray. Pray for God to work in people's lives. Pray that God's will be done. But do you notice there how it talks about being serious and disciplined for prayer? The Bible is not naive. It takes real effort to pray. I think there is this great lie where everyone comes to church and sits down and they think, I'm the only person who struggles to read my Bible and pray, like some of those people shared before. All these other people have got it all together. Let me just break the illusion for you. The, there's one person here who doesn't struggle to read. I don't, haven't met them yet, but I'm sure there's one who doesn't struggle to read the Bible and pray each day. We, are, we all struggle. We're, we're easily distracted. Very few Christians pray naturally. That's why it says devote yourself to prayer. Be serious and disciplined. It takes effort. It doesn't come naturally. You have to persevere. You have to work at it. Then secondly, love your church family. Look at verse 8. It says, above all, maintain an intense love for each other, since love covers a multitude of sins. The each other there is your brothers and sisters in Christ. It's your church family. Now, again, this is so ordinary, but so profound. What are you to do to glorify God while you wait for Jesus to return? Pray and love. Simple as that. Pray and love these brothers and sisters in Christ who God has given you. You notice how it puts in the word intense love there? I, I prefer the word earnest. Intense sounds a bit stalky for me, but um, <laughs> maintain an earnest, a, a committed, a, a devoted 
love for one another. It's, it's actually trying to capture that sense of it's an effort. It's not a, it's not a nice feeling. Do not feel warmly disposed to your brothers and sisters at church. Love them earnestly. Go out of your way. This is why God's word is so adamant that we meet with our brothers and sisters in Christ. It's so, it's so adamant that we use our gifts to build one another up. You know how many passages are about this? That we care for one another, we share our lives with one another. Those are the exhortations that God's Word gives us. And that's where verse 9 comes in. Go to verse 9, where it talks about Christians practicing hospitality. See, back then, that was having people stay in your home because there weren't motels and hotels. And so, as a Christian came into your town, you practice hospitality by putting out a bed on the lounge room floor and says, stay here uh, and let me keep you safe, let me feed you. But, but I think it's right to apply it to us. Practicing hospitality is sharing our lives, it's having one another in our homes because this is our family. What does it mean there when it, when it says love covers a multitude of sins? Uh, I mean, Jesus' love covers a multitude of sins, doesn't it? By his death, he pays for our sin. But that's not what this is talking about. I think it's saying, if you love your brothers and sisters in Christ you get on with earnest love, it's amazing how much sin is just averted and just forgotten and dealt with. Because when someone hurts you and you respond with forgiveness rather than hate, love has conquered sin. See how it works? If someone gossips with you and you meet it with silence rather than passing it on, love has conquered sin. When a harsh word is met by grace rather than retaliation, love has overcome sin. Love puts an end to sin in so many ways. But getting back to my point, you notice how it's so ordinary? What, what are you going to do to glorify God while you wait for Jesus to return? Well, I pray some people do do outlandish things. But at the very least, commit yourself to prayer. Just get on with loving your church family, the family God has given you. And then thirdly, it says, use your gifts to serve. Look from verse 10. It says, based on the gift each one has received, use it to serve others as good managers of the varied grace of God. There's a reason that, that serving together is so central to our church's vision statement. It's because it is absolutely fundamental to what God says the Christian life is about. Sometimes when I stand up here and I, I, I say, I want every person, I'm going to say in a moment, I want every person in our church serving. I think people think I'm like some sort of Amway salesman. You guys probably don't know what Amway is. It's a pyramid selling scheme that was popular in the 80s. Uh, think Tupperware or what were those special heat cooking things that do everything for you where you went to a demonstration and suddenly you found out the person's trying to sell you something. You know what I'm talking about. That's, that's not what it's about. It's not because we want to grow our church so we need people to be resources. I want you to serve because that is God's will for you. Because God says that is what is best for you. That is the Christian life. It's what it is to be a Christian. Because it is so central to what God says the Christian life is about. We are here to use the gifts God has given each of us to serve one another and to serve God together. But again, do you see how ordinary it is? It sounds so massive to say, look, we're going to glorify God through Jesus Christ in everything. It sounds so massive that the end is near, that Christ is returning. And it is massive. It's the most important news in all of history. But I want to tell you, it then just works out in the ordinary things of life. If you think about this, how does God grow his church? How has God grown our church? Every so often in history, there's, we, we see things we call revivals. 
Every so often, once in a while, there's just massive moments where thousands of people repent and turn to Jesus. It, it ha- it's happened three or four times in history. There's these massive, it happened in Acts. Happened uh, in, the, in England a couple of hundred years ago. The great evangelical awakening, it's called. But just normally, how does it happen? How does God grow his church? It's through a person quietly praying for their next door neighbour. And then quietly inviting them to come along and hear the good news of Jesus. That's how God grows his church. How does God grow his church? It's through a person reading the Bible with another person. It's through a person gently encouraged. When a newcomer comes to church, it's the fact that the people there greet them with a smile rather than a scowl. You you, you know what I mean? This is how God grows his church, through the ordinary things. So if you ever wonder, you know, what am I doing? What, What can I do? Well, it's so simple what you can do. Pray, love and serve. So simple. And this is not just in the life of church. How do you glorify God at home? Well, it's in the way you serve your blood family. It's like you serve your Christian family. It's in the way you treat your family with love and grace rather than harshness. How do you glorify God in your workplace? I just find these people who write long papers about how to glorify God in your work. I think, gosh, you can do it in two lines. Be faithful. Be, be, be faithful in the ordinary things. Be the person people can rely on. Just do the ordinary things well. Be faithful in your small decisions. So much of glorifying God is actually how we do the small things, the ordinary things, the, the mundane things. At our men's night a few weeks ago, our speaker said, the end, the, the secret to being a godly man, I think it's the same to being a godly woman, is really simple. 90% of it is just turning up. 90% of it is just turning up, just persevering in doing the ordinary faithful things. So as we talk about what we're on about, glorifying God by proclaiming Jesus, growing disciples and serving together, don't think first and foremost programs. Don't think, oh, what big mission are we going to have? What big event? Or, you know, no. It actually happens through individual brothers and sisters in Christ, you and me, glorifying God in the ordinary things. See, the key to us glorifying God is not so much great programs or ministries, though that's wonderful. It's ordinary Christians like us being gripped by the gospel and doing those ordinary things. Every one of us committing ourselves to praying. It's every one of us just quietly sharing Jesus with our family and friends. It's every one of us speaking the word of truth in love to one another so that we might grow as disciples of Jesus. It's every one of us using our gifts to serve. They should just be the ordinary things, just the bread and butter of the Christian life. But how wonderful is it that that is what God uses to bring about his great ends? What are you going to do to glorify God as you wait for Jesus to return? That's up to you. I just want to encourage you, get on with the ordinary things. Well, now I want to look ahead to next year. What are some ways we'll have the opportunity in 2023 to glorify God as we wait for Jesus to return? Uh, Well, I just want to invite you to commit yourself or recommit yourself to three things. The first is, let's all commit ourselves or recommit ourselves to praying for our church. Isn't that the best thing we could ever do? Recommit or commit yourself to prayer. But, as I said before, I'm conscious how many of us struggle with establishing good habits of prayer and Bible reading. Uh, It's funny how even that encouragement in our passage to devote ourselves to prayer can make people feel guilty. They go, oh, but I don't pray very often. We all want to do it. It's just amazing how most of us struggle. Next year as we start the year, I want our first term 
to be focused on helping every member of St. George North grow in building good devotional habits, good Bible reading and prayer habits. Do you know, that would transform our church more than the biggest mission event we've ever held. That is more wonderful for the glory of God if every member of St. George North grew in their Bible reading and prayer than if we ran a mission for a thousand people. That, that's how amazing it is because God works through the ordinary. And on that, I was just so excited by two of the things, I think it was Oliver and Beth who shared about the, uh, the habits forming group, is that what we called it? Yeah. Do you know, you may say I should get out more often, but the most excited I've ever been is when Kevin shared with me a couple of weeks ago what he's been doing with a, group, with a couple of groups here at 6.30 Church in terms of that. Uh, and talk to, sorry, talk to Oliver afterwards, talk to Beth afterwards uh, about what they've been doing. Uh, this simple system to set up good prayer and Bible reading habits. But I, I want to, Kev's testimony, I'm going to put him on the spot here. Kev, you know, you know those Weight Watchers ad, I always struggle, but you know, that sort of thing. Kev, uh, sorry to put you on the spot, Kev. Kev. Kev and I have always prayed together about Bible reading and prayer, haven't we, Kev? We've always talked about it, and Kev sometimes has struggled that over the years. And he started this, this habit-forming thing, and Kev, don't be bashful, how many days... Has it been? You probably didn't yesterday. You probably fell, you know, like the smoker who had a cigarette. But um, <laughs> how, many, how many days has it, have you been going on this now? How amazing is that? I'm your senior minister and I'm not admitting that. You know, you know um, how amazing is that? Now, Kev, because of how that's been so helpful to him, has rolled that out with a group of you guys. And from what he shared with me, and Kev doesn't oversell things, I mean, he's a kids minister, he, uh, he has told me how helpful that has been. Just for the 30 or so people here at 6.30 Church have been a part of that, I want every member of St. George North to benefit from that next year. Uh, and so I want to say, when that is offered in term one next year, get involved, do that. Unless you are that one person who doesn't want to be proud right now and say, no, no, I read the Bible every day and pray and I never struggle. Unless you're that person, and we can talk afterwards about your truthfulness, but, um, <laughs> but the, I say get involved with that. And this is the thing, that is the most wonderful thing you could do. If you could get into good habits of Bible reading and prayer, that is the most wonderful thing. So that term one next year, just in terms of that prayer for our church, how wonderful would that be? if we really saw people's devotional lives transformed. Second thing, let's commit ourselves or recommit ourselves to loving our church family. Uh, commit yourself to sharing your life with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, commit yourself to fellowship each Sunday uh, and in your gospel team during the week. Uh, I do want to say that I think out of COVID, uh, some of us ha have got into not as good habits of, of actually just seeing actually, I'm just at church every week. I'm just here to, to encourage my brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, the number of people on our role uh, who come regularly to church, our church should be full every week. Now, I understand some people have COVID and, you know, good on you for not coming, you're being loving, you know, that sort of idea. But, but actually, I think some have got, some are in great habits, some are in not so good habits. I want to say to you, let's take the chance to commit ourselves or recommit ourselves to sharing our life with our brothers and sisters in Christ. For me, just the normal snack life, the normal Christian life at St. George North should be, I'm just at church every week, that's just the way it is. I'm in my gospel team every week, 
And I know sometimes there's work and those sort of things, but I'm at church every week, I'm at my gospel team, and I'm serving in, in some ways. But commit yourself, I want to say, that's the basic, commit yourself beyond that. Actually say, I want to share my life with my brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, on a big scale, there is a key date I want you to get in your diary now. Uh, so many people have been asking, will we finally have the big day out again next year? And the answer is, yes, God willing. Uh, but now, this is the one time in the life I'll ask you to take out your phone, because very few of you guys use a paper diary like me. I want you to put it in your calendar now, Saturday the 11th of March. Put it in from 7 in the morning till 6 at night. It won't run that long, but put that in so that you don't get fall into that thing, oh, I'm going to leave half an hour early because I'm going to put something on Saturday night. Block out the whole day and the whole night uh, to be a part of our big day out in uh, March next year, Saturday the 11th of March. For those who don't know, the big day out is when all of our St. George North congregations all come together to encourage one another with what God has done and is doing through us right across the parish. And then we, we listen to the scriptures together, we're encouraged. So we're planning that for 11th of March next year. We haven't been able to do it for three to four years. We really want every snack member to make that an absolute priority. And this one, I'm just going to uh, be very, very serious. Uh, you'll get the chance to register in the next couple of weeks. But uh, I want to stress this, that is such a key part of your church life. People sort of think he's joking when he says, don't go to your cousin's wedding on that day. If it's your brother or sister's wedding, have a go at talking them and changing the date. But if it's your cousin, they're not close enough to miss it. Now, you think I'm joking, but I'm being serious. That's how important this day is in our church life. Don't, don't, don't tell me in March, oh, I've got a work shift or I've got sport. No, I'm telling you now so that you plan your life around it because that's what a Christian family does. We plan our life around the big events uh, in our family life. So I want to stress that. Lock it in. Don't miss it for anything. Please don't come and tell me in March, oh, I've got something else on. You've been told now. So get it in the diary. But I, I'm serious on that. I actually just want you to come because it's a wonderful way for us to express our partnership in the gospel. And it's a thing to remember, this is your church family here, but we're part of this wider fellowship, which is St. George North. And it's so encouraging when people who are a part of the smaller parts of our fellowship are able to come to the big day out and meet with people who are part of the larger parts of our fellowship and see what God is doing. Thirdly, let's recommit or commit ourselves to serving our Lord and our brothers and sisters at church, like God wants us to. It's amazing how much, I said before, how much of the New Testament focuses on how every one of us has been given gifts and how those gifts are given to us to use to build up the body, to build up the church. I, I love, you go back to 1 Peter 4, uh, I love there where it talks about how on the gift each one has received, use it to serve others as good managers of the varied grace of God. What that's saying is, God is varied in the way He gives us gifts. Some people get these gifts, some people get those gifts. That's okay. What God wants to see is how well do you use the gifts He's given you. So if you're someone who's gifted at teaching, that's wonderful. Use the gift of teaching. If you're someone who's good at, at, at doing admin behind the scenes, that's wonderful. Use that gift. That's what we want to see in our church. Here's my dream for 2023. That every member, no, I'm saying it the other congregation as well, that every member of 630 Church would be serving as a part of at least one team, serving team here at church. Uh, and the wonderful thing at 630 Church is I think my dream is already almost fulfilled in many ways. The, the attitude and commitment to service here is wonderful. I don't think I've ever been a part of a congregation like it. 
Uh, but why do I say team? Uh, what I mean is a part of where you're actually working with other people to, to grow and build one another. I don't, I don't just mean occasionally serving on a roster. I mean every person uh, a part of a ministry team. And I say at least one because there are some of you who, who are involved in multiple teams. You serve in music and you lead a gospel team and you, you're involved in youth or you're involved in kids' ministry. So what do I mean by ministry teams? Well, could be kid, a kids' ministry team, could be youth ministry team, could be gospel team leader, could be the team that drives the life course, could be uh, the people who, who, who come to English for Life uh, on a Friday morning, could be the music team. How wonderful is it to have our music team service week in, week out? It might be a team providing, you know, just admin support during the week. could be the sound team and the PowerPoint team and how essential is all that? I never understand exactly what they do, but it's so essential. We can't work without it. The welcoming team. You know, I, I've left off heaps. But I, what I want is to invite you to just commit yourself or recommit yourself to saying, yes, I'm going to use my gifts to serve amongst God's people because that is what God wants me to do. So I want you to be prayerfully considering what are your gifts? How has God gifted you? Uh, what team or teams can you be a part of? How can you serve? But for now, let's commit to glorifying God in the ordinary way. Let's commit to growing in prayer. Let's commit to loving our church family and let's commit to using our gifts to serve God and one another. And then God will do wonderful things through us in 2023. We're going to pray now. I think Lucy and Carolyn are going to come up and lead us.